0: Number one, number two. I don't have these enormous biceps, <laughs> but I believe I make up for it in other ways. <laughs> but if we'll keep our pastor and uh, Miss Kara in your prayers as they are at the Southern Baptist Convention in Dallas, Texas. Has anybody ever been to Dallas? Few people. Um, It's really, really hot there, and uh, there's a lot of cowboy hats and a lot of boots, so uh, if you like that kind of thing, Dallas is your place. But I'm glad to be here this morning, and I'm excited to share God's Word with you, and I will ask you to open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6. This is Paul's letter to the people of Galatia. This is... An amazing time for the Apostle Paul to be writing to this church because there were a lot of things this church was experiencing uh, during this time. There were a lot of false teachings. There were a lot of things that were not the gospel. And believe it or not, the people of Galatia tended to boast, which is what we're going to be talking about this morning. Reminds me of this story. If you've ever been to Washington, D.C., you know that there's a lot of memorials and there's a lot of things to look at. It's an amazing place if you are into history. And so I love going to Washington, D.C. In fact, Holly and I accidentally went into D.C. on our way back from Dulles. We looked up and, boom, there's the Capitol. And um, uh, Donald Trump was walking. No, he wasn't walking down the the But we were able to see Washington, D.C. in all of its splendor and all of its glory. And in those kind of cities, they always have things called sightseeing tours. So this story that I want to tell you involves a sightseeing tour in which this tour guide was going through each of the memorials. Here is the Lincoln Memorial, and it was built in just a few years, and it cost the taxpayers millions and millions of dollars, which is good news for you who pay your taxes. So they went by that, and this lady pipes up, and she said, well, in in Peoria, Illinois, uh, we could have built the same thing uh, in less time, in six months, and we could have only spent maybe 100 on it, exact same thing. Tour guide kind of looked back at her, puzzled. Lady, why are you talking to me about Peoria, Illinois? This is the capital of the United States of America, and they kept going. They came to another memorial, and yet the tour guide says, hey, this memorial was built in just a few years, and it cost the taxpayers millions and millions of dollars. As you can imagine, the lady pipes up and says, well, in Peoria, Illinois... We could have built the same thing for half the the time and half the money. So the tour guide is getting a little annoyed, but he realizes that that's kind of part of it, that people are proud of where they come from. Well, they pass by the Washington Monument. If you have ever seen the Washington Monument, you know it is grand. It is tall. It is an amazing spectacle to see. And so they pass by the Washington Monument. And the tour guide does not say a word. Well, the lady's puzzled. She turns and says, well, what was that building back there? The tour guide says, beats me. It wasn't there yesterday. (laughs) Now, you look at a story like that and you think, I know somebody just like that. Um, In fact, you may be that person. And if you are that person, um, then I will talk to you Today It's a funny story, but it reminds me that our human nature, we like to brag, don't we? (laughs) Don't we? We like to brag. If you've ever been on Facebook, you brag on your children, you brag on different things. It's a part of our human nature to brag, right? So we brag about our family, we brag about the things that happen to us. If you've ever been around the water cooler at work, you will tend to brag about a sale that you made, or you brag about an accomplishment that you accomplished at the ball field. Brooks and I were at, uh, we had a t-ball game yesterday, it was so much fun to to be a part of that, it's our first season uh, in t-ball, and yet I can't help but listen to people in the stands brag about their kid. And what their kid does. And that is a good thing to be proud of our children. So we brag for a lot of different reasons. So, my second question this morning why do we boast? Why do we brag? Some of us brag, uh, honestly, because it makes us feel better, right? We want people to be proud of what we have, we want people to be proud of the uh bass boat that we just got or we want people to be proud of our new truck we want people to be proud of what we are wearing we want to feel better about ourselves and sometimes i believe we brag because we want ourselves to feel better and not only feel better but we want to be better than other people can you identify with any of those things We brag because we want to feel better. Uh, We honestly want to be the best. And we want others to respect us. We want others to respect us. Caleb, can you put that picture of Muhammad uh, Ali? Does anybody know who this is? Some of you... um, More mature people probably would know who this is. This is Muhammad Ali, was a great boxing champion. And he was known not only as a great boxing champion, but he was also very boastful about what he could do or what he would do. And there's a story, I don't necessarily know if it's true or not, but it reflects his character. Muhammad Ali was on an airplane traveling to uh, an event, And as you know, when you are on an airplane, you have to do several things to get ready for your flight. Some of them include putting on your seatbelt. Some of them include putting your tray table up with your seat forward, right? These are normal things that we do when we are on an airplane. Well, there have been many, many warnings from the flight attendant. Ladies and gentlemen, we are getting ready for takeoff. It is time to fasten your seatbelt and put your tray table up. Lean your chair forward. Well, the stewardess, uh, flight attendant, walks up to Muhammad Ali, and he doesn't have his seatbelt on. And he, he, he says, lady, lady, I'm not putting this on. He said, Sir, you have to put this seatbelt on. He turns to her and says, Superman does not need a seatbelt. Well, as you can imagine, without missing a beat, the flight attendant looks at him and says, Superman don't need no plane. Some of the quotes, some of the quotes by the great Muhammad Ali, I want you to listen to these quotes. These are fascinating. He says this, it's hard to be humble when you're as great as I am. He also says, I'm young, I'm handsome, I'm fast, I can't possibly be beat. In reference to Sonny Liston, another boxing champion, he says, Sonny Liston is too ugly to be the world champ. The world champ should be pretty, like me. He also says, I am the astronaut of boxing. Joe Lewis and Dempsey were just jet pilots. I'm in a world of my own. And lastly, he says, I am the greatest. I said that before I even knew I was. Now think about that for a minute. I mean, this man boasted, and he had talent that was unbelievable, and yet we see that as he developed into this persona, he truly believed that he was the best, and he bragged all the time. So if you'll turn to the Word of God, Galatians chapter 6, Galatians chapter 6 begin with verse 14. It says this, But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, what an amazing thing it is to think about who you are, to think about your love for us, and to think about what you gave so that we can have life and have it abundantly. And Father, I know that we all can be guilty of boasting. We can all be guilty of bragging. And we are proud of our families, and we are proud of our accomplishments. And yet, Lord, I know that we are encouraged today by the reading of your word, that Paul was encouraging the church of Galatia to not boast in anything but Christ. So, Lord, as we continue to look at your word and as we continue to pray through this, I pray for humility, I pray for gentleness, I pray for wisdom and understanding. And above all, I pray that you would be glorified and magnified in all that we do and all that we say. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So before we unpack this scripture, I want us to first identify who we are. The first thing that we are, we are image bearers. We are image bearers, and we see this truth found in God's Word beginning in the very beginning of God's Word in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, where it says, Then God said, which really, to be honest with you, is enough. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. We were not created to be boastful people. We were not created to be prideful. We were created to be image. Bearers. And what that means is that we are created in the likeness of God, the Father, of God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That has so much weight to it, it really should change the way that we live. It should change our attitudes, it should change our relationships, it should change our thoughts. We are not created to be us, we are created to be image bearers. So in the very beginning, we know the story that Adam and Eve were created in the likeness of God. They walked, they talked, they had fellowship with God. And yet Satan came in, as he does in our own lives. He came in as a serpent and he deceived them. He deceived them and made them think that they could be like God. We were not created to be God. We were created to be in his image, an image bearer. And so when Adam and Eve sinned, we see this this dialogue happen between both of them. They start blaming each other, or they blame the serpent. How many of us in this room, please don't raise your hand, blame somebody else for our shortcomings? Some of us blame other people for our sins that we commit, just like Adam and Eve. And so because of that, they were separated from God. No longer were they walking in fellowship, in right relationship with God. Now sin is in their D- DNA, as it is in our DNA. Sin is in your very core. But. But. I love that. But God. But God. That's enough right there. But God, we have been wrestling with sin ever since. And because of our sin, we are separated. But God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to take your sin and to take my sin upon a cross. He did that because he loves you so much. We not only have the sin DNA in us, but we have the image of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We are no longer ourselves. Secondly, not only are we image bearers, but we are under the shadow of the cross. We are under the shadow of the cross. And if we go back to our text, far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Now for the Jews boasting on something like the cross would be completely paradoxical. The cross was something of shame, of regret. It was a a sentence that no one would want to go through or have a family member to in, be involved in. The cross was of shame. And yet Paul is saying here that we need to boast in the cross. So what did the cross look like? I want you to close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to envision this, this story. That Jesus, in all of his glory, who was in the very beginning, was beaten, was ridiculed, was mocked. His back was completely ripped wide open. Blood pouring out of his very body. His beard ripped. They put a crown of thorns on his head. Can you imagine what that would feel like? And then they put him on a rugged cross. A cross that he had to carry himself. A very heavy cross. They put him on it. And they put very thick nails into his wrist. Can you feel those going through his body, his wrist, his feet? And then to make it worse, they lift up that cross for him to hang, for the weight of his body to be pulling on those nails. Now I want you to look up at me. the pain that he went through would be unbearable, right? We couldn't even imagine really fully what it would be like to go through that type of crucifixion. And here's the curveball, people. Not only did he go through a physical pain, but he had the weight of of the world, the sins of the world, on him. Your sins... My sins, past and present, the sins of the world placed upon him. And yet we are called to boast about that. My question is, why would we boast on something of shame, of ridicule, It is the only way by which we can be saved. Jesus. There's no other way to have a right relationship with God but by Jesus. That's it. He knew that that's what it took for us to be in a right relationship with him. So while we are under the shadow of the cross... And if we have trusted in him as our Lord and Savior, we need to remember what it says in Galatians chapter 2. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We are under the shadow Of the cross. In Ephesians 2, it says, By grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Thirdly, this one's hard for me to say. We are not the center. We are not the center of our own universe. Believe it or not, we are not that big of a deal. I hate to break it to you folks. We are nothing outside of of Jesus. We are dirty, we are rotten. We lie, we cheat, we steal, we mess up. That's who we really are. But remember being under the shadow of the cross? We are no longer the center of our own universe. This is something that that I struggle with at times because I want the attaboys. Don't you? Don't you want someone to come up to you and say, hey, I really liked, uh, liked what you said this morning. I like that song you did. It's not about me. What about when you're in the workplace and your, your friend gets a promotion and you're left to wait? It's not about you. You are not the center of your own universe. Jesus should be. Jesus should be the center of your life. We are not the center. Many of you probably know Pastor Pete Briscoe. I want you to watch this I Am Second video. It, It really does go to the heart of what I'm talking about today that we all strive for power, for glory. We boast about things that don't matter. But you'll see in a minute what we should boast about.
1: I think the emptiness happens when you get to the place that you thought would make you happy and you discover it doesn't. Or the emptiness happens when you continually strive to get to that place and don't quite reach it. It's two different kinds of emptiness, but it's emptiness nevertheless. I remember in my early years as a pastor, my drive to preach the best sermon every week I possibly could, and I would have people come up to me after the sermon saying, Oh, that was great, Pete. How are you going to top that next week? And I would just think, Oh, no. And I would be working all week long and all day Saturday, and I'd be there late Saturday night and early Sunday morning, and I was just dying. exhausting having to succeed and uh, what I didn't realize is as um, that was my focus for so long and that was my drive for so long that I, I had just worn myself out when I was a little guy and people asked me what do you want to be when you grow up um, at first it was a fireman. And then it was a policeman. Um, But then around 10 or 12, my answer became very different. Every time someone asked me, What do you want to be when you grow up? I said the same thing. I said, I want to be the best. And they would look at me and say, The best at what? And I would say, I don't care. It doesn't matter. I just want to be the best at something. came from the fact that I liked attention, and I noticed that the kids who were really good at things got more attention than the kids who were less so. And so at the core of who I was, it was really about people thinking highly of me and just feeding off that There was one basketball game when I scored 52 points, and I was the best player on the court that night. And I remember going back in the locker room and people patting me on the back and getting changed and going out, and everything was still the same as it was before I scored 52 points. And I thought, dang, it isn't as good as I thought it would be. It didn't meet the need that I felt I had, and so I needed to find something that was or someone that was. Christ is first in my life because he is magnificently first in everything. And it's simply my recognition of who he is. He is first because he's better than me at everything. Anything I can try to do, he can do it better. He's first because he passionately loves me There's nothing I can do to make him love me more. There's nothing I can do to make him love me less. He loves me perfectly right now. So he is first in my life because he's passionately crazy about me, whether I'm doing well or not, whether I'm performing beautifully or not, whether I just sinned miserably or not. He's nuts about me. He's crazy about me. How can someone like that not be first When, when they... When they make you first he made me first in his life he went to the cross for me he thoroughly sacrificed himself for me he made me first and when i come to grips with that depth of love with his passion for me um, it seems incongruent to allow anything else to be first he's got to be first. I'm Pete Briscoe, and I am Second.
0: I love what he said, that he is passionately crazy about us. This same Jesus is the one that we should be proclaiming all the time. Church, if you're going to boast, boast about Jesus. Jesus. Talk about him. We talk about the things that are most important to us. Is Jesus most important in your life? Or is he just another priority? We are not our own. We were bought by price. So when you are going, when you are in this community, talk about Jesus. Talk about his goodness. Talk about his love. Talk about the gospel. Gospel convictions produce gospel communities. So if we are doing this as a church, our church will grow and change. To be more like the likeness of Jesus Christ. The gospel has to be on our lips, always. Always. The gospel should be on our lips. So, no matter what you are facing, no matter what you want to accomplish, Jesus has accomplished it all. Accomplished it all on the cross. It is finished, it's done. Boast on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So where are you this morning? I want you to think about this for a minute. What are you bragging on? What is it that consumes your thoughts and your life? What is it that you put on Facebook? What is it that you talk about at work Are you talking about Jesus? Are you still the center of your life? Wherever you are this morning, church, know this. Jesus passionately loves you and went to a cross for you and for me. Boast about that. Would you bow your heads, please? Father, as we move into a time of response, of invitation, Father, I pray that...